Hlu, Kai Hlu, Hedran Hlu. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Hello, everybody, welcome back to What's This Dao All About? My name is Todd Perry with. See Joe, Dr. Carl Totten, it's good to speak with you. Great to be here. Good morning, world. It's, it's nice to uh, have a show going after taking a bit of a break. And coming in here into the, uh, the Taoist temple here, which has uh, recently uh, suffered quite a beating from the rains we've had in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I think we had more rain than we've had in, I don't know, 50 years or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're not set up for that in Southern California. No. If there's <laughs> any, you know, if you read the Tao, there's a lot about water and the power of water. And uh, that lesson was learned here this week, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, I think a week ago Friday we were getting uh, an inch an hour of rain. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't happen in Los Angeles. No. <laughs> we don't have the infrastructure for it. No. You know. No. We can handle civil unrest, fires, <laughs> drought, but rain, no dice. This is not Seattle. Yeah. So, uh, getting into on today's show, we're going to discuss uh, one of my favorite books, uh, The Tao of Pooh. And we've got a chapter from the Tao Te Ching. And uh, real quick, uh, at the beginning of the show, got to hit this, a listener sent, um, sent an email uh, a while back telling me about this app, which is, um, it's called Popular, Tao Te Ching Popular Translations by Keshav Saharia. And basically it's an app on your phone, and it has something like 60 translations of the Tao Te Ching uh, right in your phone. So you could just go, it's a free app, and you can look up any uh, translation you like. And the, the cool thing is it has the uh, Jane English Gi Fang Am I saying the name right? Gia Fu Fung. translation that we usually use on this show in there. So I didn't have to go out and buy the book. I just have it in the app. So uh, it's a really cool, handy thing that you just have on your phone. And anytime you're sitting in traffic or whatever, or, uh, you know, and you want to get your Dao on, you can, you can do it right there uh, from the app. So thank you to, the, I forget his name, but uh, the listener that sent me that because now I have it on my phone. Um, another thing. Is that uh, available on iTunes or? Yes, yes, in the oh, iTunes okay. store. Great. iTunes store. So uh, another thing that kind of I, habit I picked up in, since the last time we've been recording, uh, I was wondering how to incorporate meditation in my daily life as kind of a habit, right? Because, you know, you, you, you get up, you, you have your normal everyday routine, and think, okay, well, today I'm going to meditate. When's a good time? And it, you know, oh, maybe after I do this certain amount of work, or I do this or that, or uh, maybe after lunch, or, you know, all these different ideas come out. I just decided to short-circuit all that back and forth and just decide to make it a part of my everyday, like, showering routine. So, you know, I get up, have a cup of coffee, I take a shower, and then right after my shower, 
I meditate, you know, and I have my phone and I time it and um, I do, you know, I do my meditation in the morning and then I go on throughout my day. And I've found that once you pull out that step of when am I going to do it or when's this, and it just becomes part of your routine that if I don't coming out of the shower, then I'm going to... I'm going to feel terrible or, or whatever. I feel terrible because I didn't meditate, but I'm just going to feel terrible. <laughs> so I found that incorporating things like this just into your everyday schedule makes it so much easier for you to just to get right into it. And it's almost like your body begins to prepare for it because it knows it's coming. Yes. It's like a routine, like before I put my baby to sleep, certain steps, and the baby just goes. And with this, I found it a lot easier because it's not always – meditation isn't easy – Always, you know, it's, it is a bit of an effort and a strain and, you know, it's something you're going to go through. And so you've got to kind of prepare yourself for it. So I found that was the easiest way. So I just get out of the shower and I sit on the bathroom mat. And then sometimes I meditate naked. <laughs> and it's actually, it's kind of a nice cleansing thing, right? Now that's a visual. Yeah. So there you go, everybody. R-rated show here. <laughs> but then, but then there's a funny thing is the you should do an like, do that like an like an anime or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's coming out of the shower. Sits so I sit on the you know like a little rug in the bathroom that you normally have in front of your sink or whatever, and I just sit on that. And then but what happens is um, we have like two bathrooms in our house, and one of the bathrooms the the toilet was running. You know, sometimes you just get that little slight water running in the toilet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there trying to meditate, but the toilet's like... <laughs> like the, the, the toilet. You don't notice it until you try to meditate next to a loud toilet. So like now i got to get my toilet fixed. Or else i got to meditate in another room. It's like, remember yeah. the old uh, Rosanna, Rosanna, Danny. It's right. always it's, something. It's always something, yeah. So I think that's a good tip for people who... People often email us saying, how do I incorporate meditation in my daily life? Or how do I make a habit of it? How do I make a routine? And you just plug it into your day right there, and it's right. perfect. Because then you're, you put yourself on a great footing for the rest of your, your day, too, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I partially agree. <laughs> Uh-oh. Partially. Okay. Partially. Because, because I do believe in routines. Yeah. Uh, because if something is a routine, it, becomes, it has an automaticity to it, and that's a great way to incorporate it into your life. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, and there's uh, always another hand. Yes. <laughs> In fact, you look at the uh, uh, Guan Yin above your head. Uh, she's got four hands, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on your other, other, other hand. <laughs> on the other hands, <laughs> yeah. um, meditate. I think too often many people think of meditation as something to do. It's something uh, different than what they ordinarily are doing and being and what i hope to achieve (laughs) and teach is that being in the state of being fully present in the moment being one with the Tao, being aware of the Tao, being informed by the Tao, being in that state of attunement is just who we are right (laughs) and when and if and if we could actually perceive ourselves in that place then there's no such thing as doing meditation. Right. We are meditation. It just becomes. It just yeah. It just becomes part of your reality. But to get there, uh, yes, we usually have to do something in order to achieve not doing. Right. <laughs> yes, good. Very the good. The paradox point. of the Tao. Yes, but I know that you uh, you you've brought up many times that. You know, meditation, you know, there's the sitting on the pillow form of meditation, and then there's just the, 
once you start learning in that kind of laboratory, then you can bring it out into your walk down the street, into your interactions. Right. And I've noticed that... If you're lucky. Yes. <laughs> I've noticed that very subtly there are ways during meditation when, you know, when you, you get, get quite good at clearing the thoughts out of your mind and, you know, blowing them up in bubbles and moving them around your head and kind of transitioning almost where you're, th where you're thinking from and where your consciousness lies in your own mind. Mm -hmm. That once you learn that on the bathroom mat, then you take that during your day. And when something's going to aggravate you or you want to appreciate something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's not just always getting rid of negativity. It's all, it's all about embracing the other things. Absolutely. That, that, that practice now appears in your non on the, you know, not on the bathroom floor <laughs> life. And that's the, that's the thing you don't get, you don't think about when you're kind of starting it. And then you go, wait, what's this gift I got down the road? Yes. You know? Yes. In fact, one way I think to meditate any, any place, anytime, anywhere that I recommend highly is just to stop for a moment, take a deep breath. And as you inhale and exhale, ask yourself, hmm, what do I have to be grateful for in my world, in mm. my life? Mm -hmm. yeah, it could be the tiniest thing. Oh, I'm looking at a beautiful green leaf. Oh, isn't that nice? Right. How, how, how hard is that? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I had a wonderful bowl of oatmeal this morning. Hmm, how sweet, how sweet is that? Right. See, because if we can appreciate the, ti the smallest things, then the, the big things are easy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and we get out of that consciousness of always feeling that there's never enough, mm -hmm. which, of course, is very anti-Dow. <laughs> yes, yes. Thinking that there's never enough, there's never enough. I'm always missing. I'm always in a state of lack. I'm always in some type of either financial or material or relational or spiritual poverty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always missing something. Right. And, uh, and if we don't balance that with feeling grateful for what we have, um, uh, the Tao will elude us, shall we say. <laughs> yes. yeah. And speaking of the Tao eluding us, the Tao eluded me until I was about 20 years old when a friend of mine, uh, and I always joke, a friend of mine who later robbed me, uh, <laughs> later was living in an apartment and stole my Revenge of the Jedi poster. It was a before they changed the title to Return of the Jedi, it was Revenge of the Jedi, mm. and I had an old movie poster. Mm. And I had moved out of an apartment, but I kept it in that apartment until I got to my next place. And this guy who moved in after me left in the middle of the night, moved back to like Philadelphia, and stole my poster. So it's always... That was the one thing he took. That's right. But he gave me the gift of this book called, and he told me I had to read it uh, when I was 20 years old, called The Tao of Pooh. Oh, maybe fair exchange, maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now that poster's worth like 1500 bucks. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'm just going to calm down. <laughs> so he gave me this book called The Tao of Pooh, and I think many Western people or Americans or whatever kind of learned about the Tao through this book. Many, yes. And the book is basically... Um, Here's a little description. Um, it's uh, Winnie the Pooh personifies the principles of Wu Wei, the Taoist concept of effortless doing, and Pooh, the concept of being open to but unburdened by an experience. 
It's also a metaphor for human nature. In contrast, characters like Owl and Rabbit overcomplicate problems, often overthinking to the point of confusion, and Eeyore pessimistically complains and frets about existence, unable to just be. <laughs> Hoff regards, uh, the author Benjamin Hoff, regards Pooh's simple-minded nature, unsophisticated worldview, and instinctive problem-solving methods as conveniently representative of the Taoist, of the Taoist uh, philosophical foundation. And the book also in, uh, incorporates translated excerpts from various uh, books of the Daos, like uh, from Lao Tzu and Chang Tzu. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I first read this book when I was in college, and my whole life, you know, I had been taught that, uh, you, you know, you, you study, you go to school, you do this, you buy a house, you get married, you do all these steps in life, and... You know, and you um, and I was raised in a very strict Christian household, and then eventually, at some magical point, you will you will <laughs> then you will be happy. Then you'll you'll reap your reward. You will get the great reward. And this, if not here, then in heaven later, right? Right. And if it's not even being served in this existence, you'll get it on the back end. So, and that's how I think many many people are programmed that you know this. This great feeling of success or this feeling of, of unending happiness or whatever is just right around the corner. And this book in, in Taoism, uh, you know, in introducing me to Taoism, one of the first things I really took from it was this idea that, you know, it's, it's, it's all right now. It, there's, there is no future, really. Everything that is happening is happening uh, right now. Yes. And it's about embracing it and tuning into it. Yes. Um, is that, let me read a little excerpt from that. Why I always like to think about the Tao of now. <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. So there's a there's a section uh, on page I don't know ninety seven, and it's about how uh, rabbit they they go to rabbit's house, and uh, rabbit rabbit is is missing, and then put up a sign on his house that said busy Baxson instead of writing busy back soon. There's a, a misspelling. So they start talking about the busy backs and, and, and people who are running around their whole lives uh, working hard to try to you know, overachieve and all this and not appreciate what they have. And it says that uh, these people are possibly looking for a great reward. Our busy backs in religion, scientists, and business ethics have tried their hardest to convince us that there is a great reward waiting for us somewhere and that all we have to do is spend our lives working like lunatics to catch up with it. Whether it's up in the sky, behind the next molecule, or in the executive suite, it's somehow always farther along than we are, just down the road, on the other side of the world, past the moon, beyond the stars. It's a way of life that keeps saying, around the next corner, above the next step, and works against the natural order of things and makes it so difficult to be happy and good that only a few get to, get to where they would have naturally been in the first place, happy and good. And the rest give up and fall by the side of the road, cursing the world, which is not to blame, but which is there to help show us the way. <laughs> so, I, you know, that was a, one of the, the heaviest points of the book that I, I took from it is just going, oh, wow, it's all right now. Like, and... It's it's that real real it's the old realization of the guy who's been locked up in a prison the whole life and didn't realize that the that the you know he had the key. 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I like this uh, from the book, this quote from the Tao of Pooh. Do you really want to be happy? You can begin by being appreciative of who you are and what you've got. Right. Kind of like we were discussing a few right. minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, because if, you're all, if we're always chasing something out there in the future, someplace else, something that we don't have, uh, the, the very act of grasping for it often pushes it further away. Right. Because we, we haven't created the space for it by allowing to being fully present in the moment, which, remember, the universe, the Tao, is already perfect. Right. Everything we can imagine is already, and things that we can't even imagine, uh, are already there. Mm -hmm. And so, wh wh where is there to go? Where, what is there to get? Yeah. You know, it's a matter of letting in, really, and appreciating what's really already there. Right. And, 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 and then trying to put into relief the, acts, the aspect of our consciousness that prevents us from realizing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, if meditation is useful for anything, it's useful for that. Right. <laughs> you know, hi highlighting the obstacles, because if you never see it as an obstacle, but keep using it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll just beat yourself over the head forever. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and you get stuck in the rat race and you get stuck in the hamster wheel of life uh, with, with no way to, to get off it. Um, let's see here. Without realizing that we actually are in the stream, we're in the flow of this this ongoing river of life, uh -huh. and and we're immersed. We we are immersed in it. You know, the Chinese say that the universe is what a sea of chi. Yeah, right. We are immersed in the Tao at all times, but we cannot know that. Mm -hmm. We cannot not be in the Tao, but we can definitely not know it. Right. <laughs> It's the old Buddhist idea of a frog explaining to a tadpole dry land. <laughs> yes. Um, here's, here's another great quote from the Tao of Pooh. Rabbit's clever, said Pooh thoughtfully. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit's clever. And he has brain. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit has brain. There was a long silence. I suppose, said Pooh, that's why he never understands anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, Again, trying to use the left brain particularly to understand the Tao. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and our brain can only understand things that it can name, mm -hmm. right? things that it can define, things that it has a word for, right. in other words. And English is not terribly good at that. Right. And I don't think any language is fully competent in that because there are huge aspects of human experience that we have no language for. Mm -hmm. But we do have the capacity to apperceive it right. with, be, at, a, at a level beyond thought, right. at, at that level of being, at that level of just attuning to what is. You may not be able to name it, but you can feel it, and you right. can experience it, and you can process it at that, level, at that experiential level. And then that expands you just as a, as a perceiving organism so that as you live your life, you have this fullness of nature now, as you might say, it has your back. Nature now has your back. Right. The Tao has your back. Right. Because you have opened yourself to the flow of things that you may not be able to immediately explain or understand, but that doesn't mean that you aren't open to it. Right. You're receiving it, you, but you don't need to define it. And by defining it, we often limit it. Yes. Now it's, now it's in a yes. box. Now it is yes. a thing. Now it's a thing that's defined by other things. Exactly. Right? Um, 
there's a, a great uh, thing in this uh, where they go to uh, where they talk about the great secret. Hmm. What Chong Su, Christopher Robin, and Pu are describing is the great secret, the key that unlocks the doors of wisdom, happiness, and truth. What what is the magic, mysterious something? Nothing. <laughs> to the Taoist, nothing is something, and something, at least the sort of thing that may consider to be that many consider to be important, is really nothing at all. Our explanation of this will attempt to give some indication of what the Taoists call Tai Su, or the great nothing. We'll begin with an illustration from the writings of Changsa. On his way back from the Kunlun Mountains, the Yellow Emperor lost the Dark Pearl of Tao. He sent knowledge to find it, and knowledge was unable to understand it. He sent distant vision. But distant vision was unable to see it. He sent eloquence, but eloquence was unable to describe it. Finally, he sent empty mind, and empty mind came back with the pearl. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, and, and this, the book also completely changed my view of nothing and saw the importance of nothing, which is um, Many times, you know, I, I, you know, I was taught through other spiritualities or whatever that you're waiting to be fulfilled by things, that a fulfillment is coming, and that people are in a natural state of lack that then needs fulfillment mm -hmm. from, you know, God or from another human being or from, you know, anything. But this book and then bringing me into Taoism made me realize that nothing is just an opportunity to be filled. Yes. And... The, as they say, the uh, silence is a note. It's a very important note. And, and you know, it's the, the idea in the Tao Te Ching about the, uh, it's the hole in the middle, middle of the wheel that makes the wheel run, <laughs> right? And so that it's, it's like flipping reality on its head, you know, of like just embracing nothing, embracing not doing, embracing a silent mind, yes. embracing not having to be anything, or anybody, or a part of any group, or having to, you know, the, the power of nothing is really incredible, you know. In fact, that old saying about, about the cup, right? Yeah. The usefulness of the cup is in its emptiness. Right. <laughs> because now it can be filled. Right. right. If it was already full, where do you go with that? Yeah, <laughs> right, now it's useless. Right, yeah. right. And, it's, and it's filled with something old, something that's already been there. In, meaning there's no place for the present moment because the present moment is unfolding continuously every second. Right. And so if we're not empty, there's no place for it. Right. <laughs> That's, if, you know, if my mind is so busy just going over 50 different problems at one time, I'm not going to notice that green leaf no. that you showed me. Emptiness is, is, is more powerful than anything. And the, the moment you stop defining emptiness as a, neg as a negative thing, you emotionally change because Absolutely. people have moments of feeling empty. Yes. And now I embrace it versus, pre, you know, so you're, you're always just good. You're always in that sea of chi, right? Because yes. you see that as a positive, you know. And I don't think that most people feel that way. No, certainly you know, not here yeah. in the West, no. Yeah, and it's such a simple understanding that redefines everything almost. Um, and this and this book provided that, and then you know, 
Now, it, I, I really like it. It's a great little book, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, yeah. kind of whimsical characters in there, and and yet he, he's managed to, I think, capture some really important uh, truths uh, about life and about the about the nature of the Tao. Um, here's another great quote from the Tao of Pooh: "Wisdom, happiness, and courage are not awaiting." somewhere out beyond sight at the end of a straight line <laughs> they're part of a continuous cycle that begins right here they're not only the ending but the beginning as well right yeah it's always right here right now mm -hmm. but because we are looking so far ahead we can't see it right we're only looking at outcomes not the present moment right but remember the Tao contains all and, and it's only our looking at only at outcomes down the road that prevents us from seeing that. Mm -hmm. And right, and it begins right now. You are courageous now. Take that, <laughs> that first step, you know. Yes. Take that big first step. It was somebody uh, the other day had something really kind of profound that I saw on Twitter. And given kind of all the current political unrest in this country, uh, he was saying, like, have you, have you ever wondered about what you would have done in the past and thought that you would have really stood up if, if you were around during the civil rights movement or some kind of revolution or how you would have acted. You know, if, if, you, if you've ever wondered that, you'll know exactly how you would have acted by how you're behaving right now. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know, exactly. And I was like, whoa, that's powerful. Because, you know, you think, oh, you know, if this was... You know, I, I'd take up a bayonet and fight the fascists, right? <laughs> you're like, well, <laughs> well, grab one. <laughs> you know, they're out there. They're, you, know, yeah, you might, you might have your opportunity here. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. Uh, there's, there's a great thing. So in the beginning of the book, um, Benjamin Hoff does a great job of kind of setting up where Lao Tzu sits on the. Um, kind of spiritual continuum of the East, and he shows the, paint, the famous painting of the vinegar tasters, where you have the Buddha tasting the vinegar, and life is suffering, so he sees it as bitter. Mm -hmm. And then I forget uh, Confucius's reaction to the vinegar, but it's also very negative, <laughs> because it's bitter and doesn't taste good. And then Lao Tzu's just smiling because... It's supposed to be bitter, <laughs> right? It's fulfilling its nature. <laughs> yes, it's, it's being its own nature. So then he goes into it saying, To Lao Tzu, the harmony that naturally existed between heaven and earth from the very beginning could be found by anyone at any time, but not by following the rules of Confucianism. As he stated in his book, The Tao Te Ching, earth was in essence a reflection of heaven, run by the same laws, not by the laws of men. These laws affected not only the spinning of distant planets, but also the activities of the birds in the forest and the fish of the sea. According to Lao Tzu, the more man interfered with the natural balance produced and governed by natural laws, the further away the harmony retreated into the distance. The more forcing, the more trouble, as you were saying earlier. Whether, whether heavy or light, wet or dry, fast or slow, everything has its own nature already within it, which could not be violated without causing difficulties. When abstract and arbitrary rules were imposed from the outside, struggle was in inevitable. Only then did life become sour. Hmm. Rather than turn away from the world of dust, Lao Tzu advised others to join the dust of the world. What he saw operating behind everything in heaven and earth was called Tao, the way. A basic principle of Lao Tzu's teaching was that the way of the universe 
could not be ad- ad- adequately described in words, and it would be insulting to both its unlimited power and to the intelligent, intelligent human mind to attempt to do so. Yeah, I often think that, you know, we have to be open to allow things to just be as they are and then appreciate them for being what they are. (laughs) Because if if something is not appreciated for what it is, then we're trying to force it to be something that it is not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we do that to ourselves all the time, I think. (laughs) And lots of the world's strife is caused by humans' arbitrary laws trying to control one another control their minds and their movement and, you know, and creating borders and distinctions. And that's when we're really here to appreciate each other. Yes. And to appreciate our diversity and our difference. Right. Because that's what makes the world unique and interesting and new every moment. Right. (laughs) You know, if everything is just is laid out in advance and planned and homogenized, uh, where's the fun in that? No, there isn't. <laughs> you know, you know it, that, it, it, that's keeping life safe. So safe, so predictable. But it's, if life is safe and predictable, one thing it is not is spontaneous and fully present in the present moment. Right. It's the, it's, you might say it's being anti-Dow. Right. And there are many who uh, find safety and find comfort in homogeny and, yes. wish, and wish to uh, make others live in it. And I say, you stick to your own boring life <laughs> and have that for yourself, but don't push don't it on me. Don't impose it on the rest of us. Don't impose <laughs> your ideas of safety on top of me. Um, all right, so that's the Dao Poo, and I'm sure that um, go pick it up. Read the book. And now yeah. let's, let's get to a uh, chapter of the Dao Te Ching. The Dao Te Ching itself. I selected, in fact, Chapter 35, kind of apropos of what we've been discussing, I think. It always lines up. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) And I literally select these often at random. Yeah. Uh, I did this one. I just grabbed the Tao Te Ching, opened it up, bam, there it was. I got, no, that's nice. (laughs) It's it's like throwing sticks (laughs) or coins in the I Ching. Ching, Right. So this chapter, 35, says, all men will come to him who keeps to the one. For there lie rest and happiness and peace. Passers-by may stop for music and good food, but a description of the Tao seems without substance or flavor. It cannot be seen, it cannot be heard, and yet it cannot be exhausted. Hmm. So this chapter seems to emphasize you know, how the Taoist way of wholeness, keeping to the one, if you will, yeah. leads to serenity, peace, and a true form of happiness. While on the other hand, those things which attach to the world of the senses, such as taste, like the good food, or hearing, the music, are more transient pleasures. The Tao seems without substance or flavor, he states, and yet it cannot be exhausted. It represents a more eternal form of satisfaction even when unseen or unheard. Yet, is it, not that pleasure, it is not that pleasures that accrue through the senses are to be avoided for some moralistic reasons, only understood for what they are and appreciated without attachment. Addiction, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> and remember what the Buddha said about attachment and the suffering that that caused. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, 
if we're attached or addicted, there's never enough. Right. There's never enough of whatever it is. Um, and so as an exercise to kind of reach this position of non-attachment, um, th- when, when you feel yourself wanting something really badly, uh, rather, instead of giving in to your habit, well, again, I don't care if it's smoking, drinking, having a cup of coffee, <laughs> eating something that you really want, just for a moment, just try to calmly observe and witness how out of control your cravings can become. <laughs> Rather than trying to fight them, just watch them. Then, Im- imaging that you are being filled instead with nature, sunshine, energy from the earth, your love that you have for your family and friends, and nature in your heart. Hold on to these things and then see what happens to your cravings. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, it's that discipline which is... One of the hardest, you know, th- that, that will foul up even uh, the most together human being. You know, yes. those, those desires for, yes. for whatever temptation is out there. Um, that was perhaps the, the, the Buddha's main teaching. Yeah. Well, you, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, in Taoism, how we, you, you, you've, you've spoken about how uh, you, it's, it's about having the ego, but also knowing when to be ego-less, versus Buddhism, which is about kind of destroying the ego. <laughs> and then uh, in the Tao, it's also about you can enjoy the pleasures, but, you know, the five colors madden the eye yes. eventually. <laughs> so it's having that perspective. Uh, I find it interesting, actually, that these pleasures, whether it's, you know, music, good food, these pleasures are manifestations of the Tao. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're not the Tao necessarily. They're manifestations. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost, I, I tie it in with the first chapter where uh, kind of that lack of attachment or that kind of mirror mind of approach to these things, uh, you, you can, uh, where was I going? I mean, it's this kind of mirror or mind, mind approach with them. You're seeing the manifestations of the Tao. Mm-hmm. And then when you really listen to music, when you really get in there, you see the, the, the Tao and the energy in the music and that interplay of yin yes. and yang and silence yes. and loudness and quietness. And that whole dance is, yes. is the is Tao. Is the Tao, oh, exactly. I think you got to plug in your mic a little bit right there. Oh, did I lose my oh. connection here? Oh, yeah, maybe pop it out and pop it back in. There. How's that? We're having technical difficulties. <laughs> Sometimes the mic just comes out of its little holder here yeah. and needs to be reset. But I, I was thinking about, you know, it, it's not that these, these uh, pleasures of the senses are to be avoided or denied. No. In fact, they should be enjoyed, just not held onto as, as if the fact that they're not there would leave us in lack. Right, or make us feel empty, right. or yeah. Right, yeah. We, we we need to appreciate, you know, what 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 we see, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch. That's absolutely fine, perfectly fine. Yeah. That's why we have these senses, right. right? To appreciate it. But on the other hand, if we're attached to it, if we're addicted to it, then when it's not there, even for a moment, we feel that we're impoverished, we're we're in lack. Yeah, and we've. The, 
And then at that moment, of course, we fail to appreciate the abundant universe that we are existing in at all times that's just filled to the brim with the Tao. Yes. Um, one more thing here. I had a, a, a thought. Um, the, the first line is, all men will come to him who keeps the one. And that's almost talking about the kind of illumination clarity and joy and humor that comes with someone who is uh, filled with the Tao. Yes. You know, that there's... Um, and then the next line, for there lie rest, happiness, and peace. Yes. But, and, and so it's, it's almost that attractive quality that, that comes with the, the understanding of the one, you know? Yes. Um, and they're talking... Interesting. They're talking about all men will come to he who keeps to the one. Yes. Now... Keeping to the one versus having the one or being the one are different. Now, we always talk about the Tao is about returning. Yes. It's about that returning to the one, returning to that... To the uh, source. That source, to that yes. focus. Now, what, and what do we do in meditation? We drift away, and then we come back to our breath. We yes. come back to the one, yes. and we just keep that process of returning for as long as, you know... And, in, in, until the toilet gets too loud next to me. <laughs> it's for as long, you know, as long as you can. It's that process of returning. And keeping to the one is, again, a process of returning. It's just that, you know, uh, there's a great quote by uh, Bono where he says that there's two, two people I love. He goes, I love the people that are running directly away from God and the people that are running straight towards him. <laughs> you know, and it's that same idea of returning to that source, returning <laughs> to the doubt, you know, and that... In my own life, there's on a microcosm that returning in meditation, and there's that returning in life. There's the, okay, I've strayed too far. I've got caught up in the pleasures of the world or caught up in minutia or BS or whatever, <laughs> and then it's time to return to the one, yes. return to the Tao, return to that, that space. And, you know, so it's... You know, it's like yin and yang. It's like this is happening in one dimension, it's happening on the other dimension. But Yes, yes. And and it's always right there. Right. <laughs> it's know, just that, in your pocket that, whenever that you keeping want Keeping to the one. It's yeah. always right. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to buy anything. It's right. always right there. Right here, right now. And uh, as right before we finish, we were talking about Benjamin Hoff, the author of the Tao of Pooh, uh, earlier. And so I was looking him up on his website, and it's very interesting. He, I guess, he quit publishing back in the 90s. He was upset with his publisher, and they were just, just kind of done with it. And I, I think uh, he'd also sold enough copies of the Tao Pooh and the Day of mm. Piglet to probably not need to touch a keyboard again. <laughs> um, so, but then uh, he just kind of announced, it was weird, I found this, because he just posted this on his website like uh, 10 days ago or something. And there's a big sign that says, Attention Publishers. Was the major classic of Taoist philosophy, the 2400-year-old Tao Te Ching, written by the, quote, old master, long credited with its authorship? Or was it composed instead by, instead by a young nobleman anxious to disguise his identity? Mm. For three years, Benjamin Hoff has been working on a revolutionary translation of the enigmatic Tao Te Ching, the Wei Virtue Classic, based on the ancient Chinese characters in use at the time the book was written. 
uncovering a world of meanings not brought to light in previous translations and uncovering ample evidence that the classics author was enti- was someone entirely different from the philosophy master Lao Tzu of legend. Benjamin Hoff is unusually qualified to bring a fresh perspective to the triple tasks of deciphering the Tao Te Ching, creating a truly new interpretation of it, and making its statements understandable to others. In childhood and adolescence, he was fascinated by code-making and breaking, and avidly studied books on codes and ciphers written by experts in the field. Um, That's interesting. And then it ends with a quote. I thought I knew the Tao Te Ching. But as I studied the ancestors of the long-after-the-fact brushwit and ch- Chinese characters and applied their v- often very different definitions, I soon realized that I had known was largely a collection of illusions. Hmm. Line by line, chapter by chapter, I discovered a text and an author I hadn't realized existed. Mm-hmm. This is oh. like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, you know? previews of coming attractions, maybe. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll make a show called We Didn't Know What This Dow Was All About. We'll start back from the beginning. Huh? I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show. It's great to be back, and we'll, we'll have another show in two weeks for you. And uh, my name is Todd Perry, and this is uh, Dr. Carl Totten. See ya. All right. <laughs>